0: Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability we all have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihee Jolly. Today we're doing an episode for beginners, though the takeaways are refreshing and valuable for even-seasoned chanters. Our guest is Crystal Fraser of Colorado, who shares some basics about SGI Nichiren Buddhism and its core practice of chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo. We cover her own journey beginning her practice, and then dig into a question I hear a lot which is, what should we chant about? And why do people talk so much about turning the impossible into possible? I'll let Crystal share the rest.
1: I'm Crystal Fraser. I am 33 years old, and I'm calling from Denver, Colorado, the mile high city.
0: Amazing. I'm very excited for our conversation. And also thank you for taking the time to sort of um, contribute to this episode for people who are newer to chanting. But mm-hmm. I always like to start with personal context. Um, mm-hmm. So we know who we're talking to. So could you just briefly tell me the story of kind of how you encountered Buddhism and like what was going on in your life at the time that you were down to start chanting nam myoho kyo
1: Yeah, so I was introduced to the practice um, when I was 16 years old in high school by my best friend. Um, I was at a sleepover at her house and her family was just chanting in their living room. And I went downstairs to the living room and just sat with them for an hour while they chanted. And she asked me what I thought. And I said, I have no idea what you just said, (laughs) but... (laughs) You know, I really liked how I felt while sitting here, you know, mm. and anytime that I hung out with my friend, if we went to the mall, if we went to the dinner, we went to the movies, she would take me to a Buddhist meeting, but I actually didn't join the practice until I was about 25.
0: I see. And for, um, for those who are new, when you say join the practice, uh, what does that mean?
1: So that's when I decided to receive my Gohonzon and actually chant consistently. Um, And so, you know, the Gohonzon is, you know, a scroll that we chant to every morning and evening, and it's not something that is worshiped, you know, um, within the practice, but, you know, how it was explained to me, and it actually drew me even more to the practice. Is that the Gohonzon acts as a mirror of your life. So, um, that's when I decided to like, okay, yeah, I'm going to receive my in and, and really give this, give this a shot.
0: Mm. Okay. Awesome. That's helpful. Um, so if you don't mind my asking, uh, around 25, what sort of drew you back to the practice that you were like, I really want to start consistently doing this.
1: Yeah. So at the time I was 25, um, I guess I moved back home to New Jersey. I was living in Pennsylvania after college. You know, a year had went by and I was working at a childcare, like at Philadelphia sports club. And so I was essentially like the babysitter. And this was the only job that I could find. I was making about 8.50 an hour And just like really struggling, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, you know, after college. Um, And I just had no idea what that looked like for me. And I was also really unhappy working that job, even though I enjoyed it. You know, I loved kids and I loved working with them. But there was deep down, I was ashamed of working there just because everyone around me just had seemed to have had their life figured out you know mm. they were doing internships they were getting jobs at like nonprofit organizations and they just seemed to have it all figured out you know and here i was just like you know making 850 an hour just like <laughs> barely covering bills and you know completely lost you know and I got the opportunity to move back home to work for a nonprofit organization, which was, you know, a huge accomplishment in my eyes. Um, And when I moved back home, I actually suffered even more. You know, Mm. what I thought, you know, this job was like a huge accomplishment, actually turned out to be something that made me even more miserable. At the time, too, I just got, you know, I got dumped by the girl that I was dating at the time. And, you know, I was just completely heartbroken. So I felt like I had no direction, you know, a lack of purpose. You know, I definitely found happiness, you know, out of, like, external factors. So my friend, knowing all of this about me, Um, was living in Chicago at the time and I went and I visited her and I went to a Buddhist meeting at the culture center in Chicago and a woman gave her experience and she gave this experience talking about how she used her own life condition to transform like her mom's attitude you know and I was like oh my god I'm so moved by that because my mom was also super angry Right. And there was just this family tension that I just could not break at the time, also. And, um, you know, so I was living at home. There's this tension at home. I was heartbroken, just unhappy in all facets of my life. So, you know, I came back from Chicago and I thought, you know, maybe I should actually chant, you Mm -hmm. know, and, um, you know, there's a big meeting every first Sunday at the Culture Center called World Peace Prayer. And so I knew, even though I wasn't connected to like a Buddhist community, um, I knew that ha- that meeting happened every mm-hmm. first Sunday. And so I decided to just find the local center in New Jersey and I decided to go. And yeah, I was like, you know what? I think I'm gonna actually give this a shot. And mm-hmm. yeah. And so I met another member um, that practiced in New Jersey And I received my gohensin March 5th,
0: 2014. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for sharing all that context so honestly, because I feel like I'm sure anyone listening who's going through their stuff and is exploring Buddhism maybe relates to one piece of that, because it seems like all the aspects of life were things (laughs) that you wanted to address, which is so real, um, since all of it is connected, as we learn in Buddhism. Right. Um, so, so this is actually like a great setup for the, the kind of one of the big kind of key questions I wanted to cover today, which is for someone who is totally new to the practice, since many people who listen to the podcast may have discovered us online or like just been listening for a while or signed up to do one of our chanting challenges, but don't really know that much and aren't really like part of a Buddhist community or anything. Um, so I want to just give them like the basics of the practice for someone who's completely new. Um, yes. And we can go back and forth on it a little bit, you know, if if that's helpful. But um, yeah, if you just like met somebody on the street tomorrow, and they were like, just like, give me the Buddhism 101. Like, what do you what do you mean? <laughs> like, what do you do every day? And why? Yeah, how would you sort of just break it down? Maybe we'll start with that.
1: Yes, so without diving into too much, because I love history, so I could go that route, but um, every day, you know, morning and evening, we chant Nam-myoho-renge-kyo, which is this phrase or mantra that unlocks or brings out, you know, our Buddha nature, our Buddhahood, if you will. And if to explain that a little further, what Buddha nature is, you know, it's known as this limitless potential limitless happiness that each person possesses and as we chant you know to bring forth that limitless potential we also bring forth limitless you know compassion courage and wisdom
0: hmm. yeah that's awesome actually the show is called buddhability because ability is basically another word for for buddhahood could you walk me through the practical like Is it daily? What is the community for? What does it kind of look like in a a week in your life or something like that, you know, to actually practice?
1: That's actually a really good question. You know, I think I'm trying to think like, okay, when I was a new, a newer member, right, I've been practicing now for almost eight years. So I'm just trying to think like, okay, what did I do as like, you know, early practitioner like two weeks in Mm. you know so i would wake up you would chant for a few minutes you know chanting nammyoho renge kyo over and over and that's known as daimoku right and then once you we have like a little book right where you recite gonyo which is reciting two chapters of the lotus sutra specifically chapter 2 and 16 and then you will conclude your chanting, you know, or daimoku chanting namyo renge keo, over and over, um, pretty much to your heart's content, right? So that's kind of like what the daily practice would look like. Um, you do that morning and evening for however long you'd like. Um, and then when you are a newer practitioner, you'll get connected with a local district, which are other members that practice Nichiren Buddhism in your neighborhood. That's also known as your district, right? And, um, you know, that community is so crucial, Jihi. Like, And I didn't realize it, but just having the support of people who are just committed to seeing you thrive and committed to seeing you be victorious in every part of your life is so crucial and so encouraging, right? You're trying to essentially better yourself, right? And get rid of like all the gunk that is in your life, right? And then you have this community that ranges from all kinds of practitioners, right? It's a diverse group of people, all walks of life, you know people who have been practicing for maybe 2 days to you know 48 years right mm-hmm. and all of them are that have this shared commitment of you know happiness for oneself and for other people and so just being deeply connected to a community like that um It just kind of has you believe in humanity again, (laughs) if you will. What a good way to put it, actually.
0: Yes. I I remember feeling that so strongly at the beginning of the pandemic when like everyone around me was like, what is happening? And I'm losing all hope for like a straight two years. The only people in my life that were like still hopeful
1: Mm -hmm. and like
0: not in a you know, la la land type of way, but like, uh, like, hey, no, 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 we're going to continue the work and we still care about each other and we're not going to give up or be self-destructive or all those other things. It was all Buddhists. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Amazing. This is a uh, super helpful context. I, I am curious. Um, do you remember like when you did first start chanting what your like reaction or experience to the community was like when you did receive your on you like got connected locally and do you remember I mean I guess it was a while ago but curious what the experience was like for you
1: oh yeah so I have like so many I feel like I have really a lot of first time experiences because the time where I went to my first meeting right when I was like 16 maybe 17 years old then to skipping a lot of years and then going in my my early 20s right um and every time i went i was just blown away that so many people people that i didn't know were so happy to see me <laughs> like <laughs> it's like i don't i've never met you and they were just like so grateful that i was there you know and they like each person was just so Joyful, so happy, and it was so natural, you know. Mm-hmm. And I had never seen happiness like that, and I never felt happiness like that. And I was like, I don't have that. So, whatever they're doing, it was just like I want, I want that because I want to feel the type of joy that they're feeling, mm-hmm. just by someone that they didn't, that they never met walking into the room. They were so happy about it, you know, and so. I just remember feeling extremely welcomed, right? Mm-hmm. It was extremely warm and thinking to myself, yeah, I want to experience that kind of joy. And it, no matter where I went, whether it was in Chicago, it was in Florida, it was in you know New Jersey, New York, where I attended meetings in all of these places, right? whether it was at the culture center or it was at somebody's home, it was the same feeling, Mm. you know, and at the time, especially at the time in my life, like I did not experience that kind of joy. You know, I had no idea what that looked like. Um, And quite frankly, I thought that was something that was impossible. Right. Mm. Um, And so I just remember feeling, yeah, just an immense amount of warmth and Happiness.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. It's funny. I I actually just moved to a new city myself, and um, just you know, moving to a new place where you don't know that many people, like meeting mm-hmm. people is like a whole thing. But going to the Buddhist center here, it was that like, oh, I'm home. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's just so yes. warm. And um, I was thinking about it actually just this week. And I for those who are completely new to Buddhism, if it's a little helpful piece of context, is the reason that people. Practice that type of care or like that type of behavior is because it's a teaching of Buddhism. You know, to like like what you said earlier, this potential or this Buddhahood essentially means that like you and I are Buddhas, and so we therefore should be greeting each other as if we are Buddhas that have come from afar, and like treasure each other's presence. Like it's not just like people are just being happy because everyone's like tearful all the time. It's right, like a very profound right. practice. <laughs> but awesome. Thanks again for, for sharing that. I love hearing like people's first experiences with the community. So, um, cause I, I grew up in it. So like, I always wonder how I would react if I came off the street. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Okay. So just to getting back on track. Um, so this is, a uh, actually kind of going back to what you mentioned um, when we spoke earlier, and also what you mentioned earlier, that like at 25, you had all of these like very real life things happening, right? So, like a breakup, a job, a moving home, family dynamics, like all the stuff of life, it sounds like you were struggling with. Um, after you started chanting and you like got connected to a community, did things change? You know, like what made you? sort of decide okay this is now going to be like a a lifelong practice like did did you witness kind of any um transformations from chanting about those things
1: yes definitely so you know the first thing I joined the practice what intrigued me the most was like the joy that people experienced, right um and I wanted that that happiness you know happiness that wasn't dictated by anything else you know Um, so when I chanted, it came to the realization that I was so unhappy because, you know, I was hiding who I was at home, where at home you're supposed to be like your most authentic self, right? And I felt like I was putting on this mask, you know, every time I was at home, you know, they didn't know, my parents didn't know that I was Buddhist, you know, I didn't come out to them. You know i didn't tell them that i was super unhappy at work mm-hmm. you know so they i felt like there were just so many parts of my life that i just like hid from them and you know essentially i hid from myself too right um so as i chanted you know, and as I got immersed in like the Buddhist community, like they accept you as you are, (laughs) right? You're beautiful just as you are, you know? And so as I chanted, the more confident I became in the skin that I'm in, right? And I started to just have like that confidence, you know, like this is me and I love me. So there's no reason to be ashamed, you know? So slowly over time you know i told my parents about my practice and actually not over like slowly over time like as soon as i got the confidence i'd like just like blurted everything out <laughs> so i told them about the practice i came out to them told them i was unhappy at work you know and at the time i wanted to do like pursue fitness and i told them like i'm going to pursue fitness and i'm going to be a bodybuilder <laughs> And they were actually really supportive, you know? Mm. So all of that, like uncertainty and that fear came from me, you know, and no one else, like I created that, Mm. you know? And, you know, over time, like as I chanted even more, the more I changed, you know, I, I, I guess you can say like, I became, I was this like angry, defensive and fearful, like, girl you know and i became less angry you know compassionate you know happy and i be i saw like my family dynamic even change you know mm-hmm. like there was a lot of like tension between my mom and my sister and I had no idea if like they would ever reconcile whatever di- you know differences they had you know but I just wanted the tension in our home to just like go away it was just like you can feel it as soon as you walk in and I remember you know that tension just like slowly fading away over time the more that I chanted you know, and they also became happy in their own life, you know, Mm. and then my family moved to Texas, you know, and just like my own dynamic with my parents, like I've always been close with them, right, but it's deeper now, you know, and it's so sincere, and now I can talk to my parents about anything, you know, so yeah, my life began to really open up and began to shift the more I chanted.
0: Wow, I love all of that. It's um like what you're describing is that you know we've covered some Buddhist concepts on the on the podcast in the past, and one of them is the oneness of life and its environment. And I feel like that's what you're describing. Yeah. Like you start chanting and then your whole environment transforms. Yes. but because you started to change in some way, so I love that. Um, I I do wonder. So this is another kind of like for people who are new because we get this question all the time. I'm sure you've maybe you had this question at some point. Maybe you've heard people ask it, but people always ask like, what am I supposed to think about when I chant? Or like, am I supposed to have intentions? Am I supposed to clear my mind? Am I supposed to have goals? So like what you just sort of illustrated of like where you were to these transformations taking place was it like you specifically chanted about each of these things or you set some sort of goals or did it just happen just for people who are new to like be like figure out you know okay how do how do
1: i do that what would you uh yeah how did it work yeah um I don't think I chanted (laughs) with such focus early on, to be honest, you know, I remember just being told when you chant Nam-myoho-renge-kyo, like you'll be happy. And I said, okay, well, I chant this phrase, this happens, right? And so in my head, it's just like, well, that's what's going to happen because that's what I wanted anyway, right? I just Mm -hmm. wanted joy, you know? so as i chanted you know i was encouraged to actually set concrete goals you know so i remember writing on a little piece of paper (laughs) i want a car (laughs) an apartment in new york city and a computer (laughs) because i didn't have any of those things oh my
0: gosh i love it so (laughs) and so
1: (laughs) i wanted those three things and so i said okay well i'll chant for this but really deep down I just want to feel like joy when I wake up, you know? Mm-hmm. So I slowly, I started just like chanting with that in mind, right? You know, this practice isn't like, it's not about like wishful thinking. So you chant for one thing and then, you know, you chant just numb your Kill and then it's going to just happen, right? You start to gain the clarity and the wisdom to figure out how you know, you can actually accomplish and bring the things that you desire to fruition, right? Mm -hmm. So as I chanted, you know, the more compassion I felt for other people, especially being connected with, you know, the district that I was in, you know, with a Buddhist community that also felt that for other people, it's kind of naturally that you'll take that on too, right? And then as i felt like more joy in my life then i started channeling. okay i need a car because i have to get to meetings right and i have to get to i have to get to work you know i need a computer because like who doesn't need a computer now (laughs) (laughs) and it's been my dream to live in new york city so um i really like strive like i'm gonna get all of these things and without actually realizing it, jihi like all of those things happened, right? Within time, right? And so even though my practice started without like such concrete goals, having that focus is actually very crucial, mm-hmm. you know? Because it brings you to the Gohan Zone, right? It's like, no, I wanna transform this or I wanna accomplish this. So every single day, I'm not going to stop until I get it, (laughs) right? Yeah. Um, So that's also kind of like my mindset too. You know, when I have my heart set on something, I usually don't stop until I get it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And so, you know, chanting definitely gives me the clarity to figure out how to really do that,
0: Mm.
1: if that makes sense
0: yeah it totally makes sense and um again i i find like it's so practical you're you're touching on another buddhist concept that (laughs) comes up sometimes but that's earthly desires are enlightenment which yeah it's like we're not like pretending like we don't need or want things like that just it doesn't like your your happiness and your value don't have to depend on those things but they can as you're describing be the motivation to get you to sit down and chant and take action to just like keep the ball moving forward and then that opens up all of these other paths so definitely clear yeah that's what i love about this this buddhism like it's all about daily life it it, like all of it takes place in daily life (laughs) yes um so maybe this is a good kind of transition because so there's one other area that i wanted to cover today um that I feel like you've laid such a wonderful foundation for in in kind of walking us through the basics. But you'll hear people a lot in Buddhist meetings when they share their different experiences, many times on the podcast, where people talk about turning something that they thought was impossible into something that's possible using their Buddhist practice. Um, And I want to ask about your own sort of take on that and your experiences with that. But um, just first, like, why is that part of Buddhism? Is that something, do you remember being introduced to that idea or like, you know what I mean? It just, cause it's not like the first thing you think of when you think of Buddhism. Um, and yet in, in this form of Buddhism is one of the most important things. So
1: curious about why? Yeah, definitely. When I joined, um, that was a very key concept, you know, making the impossible possible, you know? And you know, I think we talk about it because obstacles are always going to happen, right? There's no way around them, right? As long as you're living and you're breathing, you're going to encounter some kind of hardship, mm-hmm. you know? And I think often, you know, when we're experiencing such like difficulty in our lives, you know, um, we think there's no way around it. So we tend to think, you know, this challenge that I'm presented with is impossible to overcome, right? Mm -hmm. And, but when we chant, you know, this practice, right? We said it in the beginning is limitless potential, you know, like you develop this limitless, you know, courage, you know, so we have the capacity as we develop, you know, ourselves, we develop this capacity to really overcome even the deepest of suffering, the deepest of challenges right so personally speaking i think i can think of a lot of you know experiences or times in my life where i thought things were just impossible to overcome you know um you know when i first joined the practice i you know i told you i was i went through this awful breakup right i was living in new york city right before I moved to Denver, Um, 2018. I had gone through another difficult breakup, Mm -hmm. probably I would say the most difficult, you know. And a healthy relationship seemed so unattainable to me, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And the people that were in my life that I thought displayed healthy relationships, you know, those relationships actually ended, you know, ended or weren't actually joyful, right? Hmm. So, or pretended to be joyful, you know, and then behind closed doors, they actually weren't. So, um, yeah, I just like wanted, you know, what I had envisioned was just like this beautiful partner. And, you know, one day we get married and we live together and we may have like a tiny farm and, you know, like maybe one or two kids, you know, and I envision this life. And anytime I was in a relationship, I'm like, okay, yes. Like I'm a step closer to this, like, you know, this dream, you know, and then it would end. And then I would just get devastated you know, I'd be devastated because now I'm like, I was this close and now I'm like a hundred steps, you know, further now. And so, you know, this relationship that I was in, I thought, yeah, this person I'm going to marry, you know, and I grew to love her, you know, deeply. And I thought like, yes, we're going to have this farm, we're going to have kids and we're going to have this beautiful life, you know, And truthfully, you know, as we dated, I didn't realize it, but I was extremely unhappy, you know, and this person, she was also experiencing her own suffering, you know, and a lot of my happiness was dictated on the things that she thought, you know, so if she told me I didn't communicate well, I believed it, you know if I didn't do something in the way that she wanted, you know, I believed it. And it started to show up in other areas of my life, you know, in my work, you know, and so my confidence kind of like, it plummeted, you know? And for the longest, like, I just thought like, this is so far out of my reach. No one is gonna, you know, love me in the, in the way that I would like, or I, don't think I have the capacity to love someone in the way that I would like, right? Mm. And so I thought this dream of this like beautiful harmonious relationship was just impossible to find. And so after a lot of years of chanting and spending time by myself, what really needed to happen was my own like human revolution or inner transformation, right? I needed to develop the courage in my own life and also realize, like, no, if I have the capacity to love someone, then I have the capacity to really create this beautiful relationship that I envision. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I began to chant in that way. And it took years. Like, this wasn't something like, oh, I got dumped in 2018. And that found like... The one in 2019, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it wasn't, it was hard. And there were a lot of tears, you know, a lot of tears in front of the Gohanzen, a lot of deeply just like really looking at myself, you know, and realizing how much I relied on what other people thought, especially if I dated them, mm-hmm. you know. And then I had to get rid of that, you know, or else I'll I would be, I'd be continuing that cycle, you know, of dating people who were either unsure about me or didn't want to date me at all, but like kind of settled, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so on the flip side of that, you know, I was presented with this obstacle of thinking, you know, me finding I guess true love, hopefully that's not cheesy, but finding Mm -hmm. true love isn't impossible, right? And I had to really shift my perspective and shift my thinking and say, like, you know, no, if I truly value my life, then I can't think this way, right? You know, because then I'm just like, I'm begrudging my own life and the things that I want, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's unfair you know, if I'm truly going to be happy, that's unfair. Right. So I was just like, you know, Crystal, you can't think like this, you know? So I really had to just do the work to shift my own perspective and shift my mindset and realize, you know, you know, everyone deserves that kind of love and -hmm. that kind of companionship. And so when I chanted that way, you know, I started to just like love you know who I am right again I <laughs> feel like I had to revisit this right again you know in a different aspect right so I yeah I chanted in that way and then I met like hadn't didn't see this coming and I was on a dating app so I guess like I took action in the right way <laughs> but um i was on a dating app but i wasn't very active on it and then one day um this girl popped up and i was like "Hmm, she seems interesting no i thought she was beautiful and she is beautiful and we matched and this person is now like my partner and she actually has a little boy he's three now and the relationship that i had envisioned with another person is happening right it only took like eight years and like (laughs) some change but you know i think when we chant for the impossible to become possible we have to like decide Gee, you know there can't be you know i'm not saying there can't be doubt because that's going to come in right? We're human. So you're going to have those feelings, but we can't be swayed by that doubt. We can't let doubt, you know, win in a sense. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's one aspect of changing the impossible to possible. And I can go into another one with work. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, actually let me, uh, one, one reaction just to, first of all, I, yeah, I love that whole story because I also think many people relate to it because oh my gosh relationships (laughs) it's they're they're tough but you know the whole time you were you were speaking it was actually making me think and i don't know if i've ever made this connection before but like what you were describing earlier of that um like that warmth and respect that you felt from the buddhist community it's like almost like uh allowing yourself to pursue things that feel impossible is like uh, an act of deep respect for yourself. It's yeah. not just like, you know what yes. I mean? It's not like oh, I, I have to do it, I should do it, I need to prove something to somebody. It's like that same respect that the community is offering each other it's like the hardest thing ever to respect ourselves as if we're the Buddha, because that means you have to believe in your own Buddha nature. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I just really, really love that. Thank you for sharing. But yeah, I'd uh, I'd love to hear a work example too, because I think, yes, that's another realm of m- yes. many times impossible situations that we're people.
1: Yeah. So I'm a cop or a deputy. And, um, you know, for a long time, I thought like, I thought about law enforcement, but I didn't know how to go about it. I didn't think, again, I didn't think I could accomplish this big goal, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't come from a military background. I didn't come from, you know, a long line of, you know, family and law enforcement. So I had no idea how to go about that. So I, um, you know, after just some thinking and just like, you know, deeply chanting, like, is this like, you know, the career of my dreams where I can really create change? You know, Um, I decided to go for it, you know, especially at a time where racial tension was so high, right? I was applying right after the death of George Floyd. So Mm -hmm. I felt even more, you know, inclined to go for it because You know, it's just like, you know, law enforcement agencies have to change. You know, we have to do better for the communities that we live in, you know, that we live in. So Mm -hmm. I initially applied right before COVID hit and um, I was actually rejected from a few agencies, right? Maybe three, right? Um, Either I was told to apply next year or I didn't pass some section of the like, entry process. So actually, the agency that I worked for was actually that I work for now is one of them. And Mm -hmm. so I ended up my first time applying for them or taking their entrance exam, I actually failed. And when things started opening up again, so they reached out, they were doing another hiring day. And I ended up passing the entrance exam and then you go on to the physical portion, you know, which I had no problem doing. You know, I was, I did, you know, physical fitness and I was a bodybuilder. So I was just like, I can, I can do this part, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and then we had our oral board, which is like a panel of officers. And then um, you kind of basically, that's your interview, Right. And so after that they let you they give you the thumbs up if you're going go to go onto the psychological portion of the you know process and then the background investigation and so I got the thumbs up and went through a grueling like 5 to 6 month process of them just like digging way deep in my life <laughs> and then in December I got an offer to join the academy on January 3rd of 2021 so I joined the academy and I thought getting in was the hard part but the academy was tough and at the end of the academy we had four chances to take this test and I took them all four times and I failed them all (laughs) and you know I can laugh at it now but it was actually really scary in the moment I felt like you know all the the effort that was just put in to getting to the academy, you know, applying, getting rejected, applying again, then <laughs> getting rejected, you know, um, and then finally making it. And I was just, I was this close, you know, I was so close. And I really, you know, I decided to be a cop just because I really wanted to support my community, you know, also being a woman of color being black you know law enforcement isn't isn't well received right mm-hmm. but at the end of the day they're the people that are called to help right mm-hmm. you know they're the people that are called when you know in a time of need and so if the community couldn't trust You know, those that are called on at a time when people are really experiencing their worst, you know, I was like, then who can we trust, right? Mm. You know, so I really felt the need to, like, somehow transform some aspect of that, Mm. you know, um... And also shift, you know, somehow bridge the gap between Black communities and law enforcement. Somehow, you know, even though that's going to be, that's a deep, deep challenge, right? And it's so profound. And gee, to be honest, I have no idea how I I can do that yet, you know, but I really wanted to be a cop so I can help other people, you know? Help other people who, you know, at the their lowest points of their life can still make, you know, good decisions, mm. you know, and have them believe that, hey, like, even though you messed up and you messed up pretty badly, you know, that somebody still values your life, mm. you know, mm. so in thinking about that, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't give up, you know, giving up just wasn't an option. So Mm -hmm. I think me chanting about that, I just really wanted to make a difference. And I think my passion or the want to, you know, make a difference in the community really took over. And so at the end, passed the test, you know, flying colors on the first try. And, um, yeah. And I graduated September 3rd of 2021. And so here we are. So never thought that I would be sitting here just an impossible, impossible goal.
0: Yeah, I totally hear that. It's, um, it's, you know, it's interesting, like this whole example that you've shared there, there is, um, I don't even know how to put this into words, but like, like, it makes me think that in Buddhism, what you actually mentioned this at the very beginning, right? It's practice for self and others. And when you live your life that way, it's like, I, I'm just thinking like, almost like it's a building a muscle, like the the laptop and the New York City apartment, like, we're like, the easy workouts. <laughs> that led to these like the guts to pursue something like this where it's not just about you that you're pursuing something but it's like to have the guts to pursue something to make a difference even if you don't know what that how you're going to make that difference it's uh like buddhism allows you to to literally build those muscles (laughs) so right yeah yes i love that um so maybe i will move to the closing questions um Which are, so the first is, I always like to ask if people have a favorite Buddhist concept or a quote, Um, and in this kind of, the context of this conversation, uh, something that you think is really important for beginners to understand, or something that you've really held on to through your experiences, is there anything?
1: Yeah, what comes to mind is definitely the concept of, you know, human revolution, Mm -hmm. you know, or inner transformation you know we said it earlier too like when we when we change our environment you know or the world around us changes and begins to shift too so I guess you know I don't want to go too much into it I think Daisaku Ikeda like sums it up perfectly and if it's okay can I read this yeah yeah okay so he goes our lives as human beings are a complex fabric of many factors Our personalities, habits, karma, and family connections among them, in which we can easily become entangled and unable to free ourselves. People spend their days fussing and fretting about immediate problems, and before they know it, their lives are over. Human revolution is a revolution in our actions and behavior. It means to purposefully engage in behavior that is grounded in compassion and actions that break free from the cycle of the six paths and bring us to the worlds of bodhisattva and Buddhahood. When human revolution spreads to the family, the country and the world, it becomes a noble and bloodless revolution for peace. There are many kinds of revolutions, political, economic, industrial, scientific and artistic. There are revolutions in distribution of goods and services, and communications in countless other spheres. Each is significant in its own way and sometimes necessary. But whatever changes are made, if the people implementing them are selfish and lack compassion, they won't improve the world. Human revolution is the most fundamental revolution and indeed the most essential revolution for humankind.
0: Wow, oh my gosh, what an amazing passage!
1: Yeah, yeah it's one that. of
0: my favorites. Oh, thank you so much for, for sharing that. I love that quote. And I'll I'll link to the page and everything. So, okay, so I will actually move to my closing question. And okay. I always like to close with a piece of advice. Um, it could be a tip. It could be a piece of advice, especially because this one is, you know, a little bit more for people who are new. Um, but do you, if you could give a piece of advice or any tips to someone who's just started chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo, Um, and wants to get the most out of their practice, what would you say?
1: I would say, just chant consistently. You have nothing to lose, you know, and everything to gain. So I would just say, you know, chant consistently you know, show up to, you know, just as you are. You don't have to pretend to be someone you're not. You know, you don't have to be joyful all the time or anything, you know, just be present just as you are. Chant from your heart and you won't lose.
0: I'll leave you today with another passage from the same essay Crystal quoted, which is hopefully helpful to anyone who might feel like you do have a current impossible challenge, whether that's an obstacle at hand, a tough goal, or just feeling like you can't change your own tendencies and wish you could. These seemingly impossible challenges are actually just keys to engaging in our own process of human revolution, And according to Buddhism, exist so we can broaden our perspective to work not only for our own interests, but for the happiness of others. Ikeda explains as follows. Suppose there's a father who only thinks about himself, his own family, and his friends. Then one day, he decides to take a step beyond that limited realm of concern and reach out with compassion to those who are ill or suffering to find a way to enable them to lead happy lives. That is the father's human revolution. In other words, human revolution is opening your eyes wide and looking beyond your ordinary concerns, striving for and dedicating your actions to something higher, deeper, and broader. Someone who at first may seem to be a hopeless case can, by achieving a major self-transformation through their Buddhist practice, become an inspiration to countless others. Also, times when you are suffering intensely, when you don't know what to do or which way to turn, can become important opportunities for making great strides in your human revolution. If you tend to be easily discouraged, just refresh your determination each time that happens. People who are resolved to see problems as opportunities and keep trying again and again, forging ahead with unflagging optimism will definitely succeed in their human revolution. On that note, we have plenty of resources for beginners at bootability.org. And we're going to be kicking off a 10 day chanting challenge next week which you can sign up for at bootability.org slash journey. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.